Welcome, everyone, to the second episode of the Average Sean podcast. Uh, Once again, I am your host, Average Sean himself. Uh, Today's episode is going to be a little bit different from the first one. I have a guest host joining me today. Uh, His name is Chris Young. Uh, Chris is a good friend of mine back from our time in college. Uh, We met each other freshman year when we both moved into the same floor together. Uh, And, you know, we've kept in touch as much as we could over the years. But as everyone knows, adult life takes its toll. Uh, but we reconnected recently and we're discussing, you know, some things that were going on, uh, what I was doing with the podcast along with the blog posts that I'm making as well. And while we were talking about that, it just seemed like it would be a good fit for us to, you know, link up and, and try to do this podcast thing together. Uh, you know, Chris had some great ideas and, uh, you know, he seemed to be kind of on board with how I'm doing things here. And, you know, today we decided we'd give it a go, see how things work out. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep things kind of the same format as how I did last time, where it's, you know, a little bit opinion based, but, you know, just some sports talk, things like that, nothing too serious. Uh, but instead of, you know, me just kind of rambling on one guy talking to a whole audience, it's going to be more as if you guys are listening to like a conversation at a bar or something like that, where, you know, maybe we debate some things, maybe we just happen to have a good laugh about stuff. Uh, but, you know, we're just going to talk about some things we enjoy talking about and and hopefully you guys enjoy listening to it uh so without further ado here is me and chris chris how you doing what is up sir how are you ah not too much it's just another day over here how what have you been up to uh let's see enjoying summer it is a beautiful day here not too humid for once um what else uh soaking up hockey free agency has kind of hit a little bit of a lull but the hockey uh off season's in full swing and football's right around the corner uh college football is even closer than that and yeah I'm, I'm ready to talk some sports sounds uh sounds like something that's exactly up your alley with the hockey free agency uh have you been catching any of the olympics as they've been going on i have uh it's safe to say it's been quite an eventful Olympics on and off the court field, <laughs> whatever surface pitch, they're using. Ex- yeah, etc. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't know about you, but whenever I watch the Olympics, I always get reminded that I have to believe that like water polo is the most difficult sport that there is. I, I don't understand how those guys can do it. Oh man, guys and gals. I mean, it is uh, it is wild. The fact that they're they're treading water for that long. Yeah. And, yeah. and basically like mauling each other in the water is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I saw a guy like basically grab a dude and just like dunk him underwater. I think I was watching like USA versus Japan or something. And I was like looking at going like, all right, that, that's gotta be a foul. But apparently, you know, some of it's legal, some of it's not. I, I don't know how they do it. Uh, I found out recently that apparently most people who don't know about it think that, you know, the players are actually able to stand in the pool and I have to admit, a few years ago when I first found out about it, I thought the same thing because just how do you tread water and you know hurl a ball at a goal for that long? How do as a as a goalie, how do you react to that? Because you got to like jump from side to side, but you have no platform to go off of. Yeah, uh, that and I mean, it's interesting to think. It, I wonder if it would be easier if you uh, could touch the bottom. Because running through water isn't any easier. Granted, I would imagine, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's exhausting. I know I would not be able to do it. And uh, I don't know how, how they do it. 
I feel like the, the standing part could probably help when you're like trying to pass or when you're trying to shoot. Uh, and, and like I just said with the goalies, kind of giving yourself something to launch off of. Like, could you imagine if a hockey goalie was basically like staying up in midair and like try to block a shot that way? Like, I, I get that, you know, water, you still have some semblance of, you know, not completely flipping over like you would if you were in the air. But how they coordinate that and get like any any airtime out of the water is beyond me. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's pure. I mean, obviously the treading water is pure leg strength, but the, the goalies, I mean, their core has to be insane. Yeah. To, to be able to basically, you know, they have nothing to push off of. I, it It's ridiculous. And it, admittedly, this is kind of what I love about the Olympics. Cause you, other than NBC, just having an obsession with swimming and gymnastics, which I'm not opposed to because usually our swimmers uh, like Katie Ledecky, um, the new guy who came on the year this season, I cannot, I can never remember his name. I know it starts with a D, um, but he like, they, they're, you know, usually pretty dominant. Um, usually we have somebody like going back to the days of like Sean Johnson and, and uh, Nastia Lukin, uh, you know, we always have somebody dominant in gymnastics. So, so that part I get, but I love it when they just throw out like random sports that you find are in there. Like, you know, dressage like what is that sounds like something you need to go talk to snoop about <laughs> okay so you saw the clip too i did thanks to uh to to you sending that my way i had no idea that dressage was a sport let okay. alone an olympic sport <laughs> i i didn't know if you'd had a chance to look at it yet um but yeah no i when when snoop dog can consider a horse crip walking and make jokes about that then i just have to ask like what are we doing here? It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I don't know. One of one of my favorite videos uh, of all time and uh, that I've shared with quite a few people is um, power walking, which I think has just been termed uh, where at one point was called speed walking and now is just dubbed walking in the Olympics. Um, it is quite a hilarious site if you've never checked it out. It's basically uh, there are rules. Um, as to you know how high you can lift your your knee and your feet have to i believe say on the ground at all like you need to have some part of your soul touching the track but these these people like squirm their way around it's if you haven't checked it out it's a good laugh <laughs> yeah because i i've heard of it but i've never had the chance to actually see it so i was wondering like is there like a certain speed that you can't exceed and like if there it, it, like if there is like how do you break a world record because if there's a certain speed you can't go faster than then there, there's an automatic cap i think though so there definitely is a world record of some sort and uh it's it's weird too for some reason i have an odd memory uh i think of middle school um of the gym teachers teaching us about power walking and how that was a thing and there's apparently a whole, uh, you know, just like uh, track and field, there's an entire, you know, uh, group of people that, that are diehard within that sport. Um, and yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it has something to do with how your feet leave the ground. Uh, that way the, the refs or whatever don't deem you as running. Um, it's, it's really odd. You have, they do this weird squirmy thing with their, with their hips it's definitely funny and you everyone i've showed it to over the you know the span of however many years has gotten a good chuckle out of it it's so wild so that that to me seems crazy the the other reason why i brought up the dressage with that too is the craziness of it is i, I turn around and, and all of a sudden 
Bruce Springsteen's daughter is competing in it. Like Jessica Springsteen is just over in Tokyo right now, having her horse crip walk across a, a field. What, what would we even call that? Cause it, it, like when you watch the clips, it looks like they're almost doing it in like sand or, or dirt or something like that. So it, it's, it's so strange to me because you know, one, you've got this music icon whose, whose daughter can do it. And probably rightfully so that would make me assume that only people with a lot of money and free time compete in this but then you know kind of the same thing with the speed walking i just so many questions come to mind like how do you judge it how do you like decide like oh well you know the horse's back left hoof didn't hit exactly the way that it was supposed to like how do you how do you as a judge know that that's exactly how it's supposed to go. Like, is there some standard to this that people can look up? I mean, sure. I could have probably done that, but at the same time, I'm too busy just looking at my screen dumbfounded going, what am I watching? Yeah. So is this uh, dressage? I'm assuming that this is what airs during the, uh, the two 30 AM segment on NBC. (laughs) What one would have to imagine. Cause where else would you put it? I have no idea. I want to know who wins gold. I, you know, we'll have to, We'll have to keep track of that because whoever wins gold, I'm going to see if I can like YouTube the clip of their like winning performance and just try to figure out like, okay, what did you do that won you gold? Like, I'm never going to actually know the nuances of this, but I have like a a weird curiosity to figure this out just because it's so out there that I'm like, tell me more. Like, you know, most of the sports that we we don't, we wouldn't know much about here, like cricket or rugby for the most part because i know it's more popular in other parts of the world it's certainly popular in this part but like you know it's it's not as much of a national sport as it is in like new zealand um you know sports like that we've at least heard about and you know we've seen clips about either on like sports center or you know nbc sports highlights or anything like that um but what when would we ever see anything horseback riding related unless it's like the kentucky derby or the, or the triple crown or anything yeah i have no idea that is a great question um <laughs> though i do have to say on a total side note i was driving uh through northern maryland um maybe two weeks ago and i passed a polo field and i had never seen one before or sorry it was a polo club we, we have one like, of those i know I mean, okay, so part of me isn't totally surprised because I know that Maryland's equestrian history is huge and it's just one of those things that's hard to remember, but we do have the preakness here. But polo? Really? I, I know. I was I was just driving. I was uh I, I don't even know. I was up somewhere in northern Hartford County. And huh. sure enough, past the polo field or polo club. I don't know. Need to look into that. Well, at least when we get our fill of these outlander sports, we do have the option to come back to something that we're really familiar with. Like, you know, at least the, the basketball teams are doing really well, minus our men's three V three team. But, you know, for those who know, we, if we're trotting out Robbie Hummel as our number one option for that, I'm, I'm not surprised they lost, but you know, be, like before all this started, you know, I heard so many people freaking out about our men's team because they had lost a couple exhibitions leading into it. And yeah, I saw them lose to France in the first game. It didn't look great, but every other game I've watched, I've just seen her going like, can, can everyone just like calm down? Like the team's fine. They just beat Spain the other day. I mean, sure. They, you know, they let Ricky Rubio go off, but we won the game and everyone sits there and goes like, you know, you know, unless we defeat everyone by 60 plus, then, it, you know, the sky is falling. And I'm just sitting here going, wouldn't it be good if the world 
called up to us because that would force us to be better. Agreed. Completely agree. Um, you know, and same can be said with the women's soccer team. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. They know, lost to Canada. They did. I yeah. believe they have the silver medal game coming up maybe this weekend, if not sooner. Um, Wouldn't that be which, the bronze medal game? Because, oh, it, yeah, it was like ooh. silver medal, uh, silver is automatically awarded to the loser of the gold medal game, right? You are correct. That is okay. a, a slip up on my end. Oh, no, I, I didn't know if they were doing like a <laughs> double elimination tournament or, or something like that, because I've seen wacky tournaments like that created. So, you know, I didn't know how like if it was formatted in the same way like the World Cup is or if, if there are some weird Olympic rules, because far be for the IOC to throw out something that you're not aware of, like, I don't know, dressage. <laughs> there you go. So. Yeah, no, the, the, the U.S. women's team obviously lost to Canada um, in the semifinals. So they do. uh I guess the correct word would be advanced to the bronze medal game. Um, but I mean, I'm in the same boat where with the, the men's basketball um, or just basketball in general, you know, competition is a good thing. Um, it's funny that you mentioned rugby. I, uh, you know, I, I played rugby growing up um, all the way through the end of, I don't know, the summer after freshman year in college where injuries got the best of me. Cause that's a thing big time in rugby. And uh you know, it's, it's weird. It's one of the few sports that doesn't have a mercy rule. And I can't tell you how many times um, uh, a high school down your way, Gonzaga, down okay. by D.C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, crazy, crazy rugby program. Um, they, they murdered us. I mean, probably got triple digits multiple times. And, um, and the whole concept, and that happens at, at even like – rugby world cup level happens in the olympics reason being is because the there's kind of an unspoken uh oath you know within the sport that running up the score on a team will actually benefit them in the long run because you know no one wants to let that happen and if anything it's just a learning experience you know you letting up if you're you know you're winning by 60 points or whatever does nothing for the game yeah. Plus, I've heard so many people like argue or not really argue, but just kind of like question and debate, you know, what what's better? Do you want to lose by one or do you want to lose by 100? And I don't know about you, but I'd much rather lose by 100 because if you're getting your butt kicked up and down the street, at least, you know, like, OK, we didn't have a chance. Like losing by one to me is just heartbreaking. And like it would make it way harder to go back and look at it and be like, OK, like what could we do differently? Because you know, at that point, if you're so close, then there's probably only a few adjustments you should make here and there to really kind of get over the hump. But if you're getting blown out by 100, then, you know, clearly you've got some work to do. And, and there's just a lot more that you could go back and kind of like look at. So, you know, and I, I get the feeling that our basketball team probably had to happen. You know, they lose to France and all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, we're actually over here in Tokyo. So now we got to take this for real. Um, and you know, Spain has always been like big competition for us. So the fact that they beat them after, you know, the public outcry of like, oh, no, like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to uh, to the basketball team since like 04 or whatever year it was that spawned the redeem team. Uh, because, you know, now they can look at it and go like, OK, well, hey, it's, it's time for us to get better. And anyone around here who, you know, could think to themselves like, well, you know, the basketball team needs to win every game because it's our sport and all that. One, they're not paying attention to the talent around the world. Two, like what fun is it if your competition isn't as good as you? Because 
you know, if we are going up against France or, you know, Slovenia now with, with uh, Luka Doncic, Doncic, I, someday I'll learn how to pronounce Something it. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if we're going against those teams and, and they keep it close to us, but we win, one, we still get the W. Two, it's just a lot more fun to watch. So, you know, if, if I go online and see, like, the betting odds are that we're favored by, like, 25, then, then what's the reason for me to tune in? I, I agree completely. You know, parody in sports is, is necessary. You know, yeah. otherwise, why would we watch <clears throat> NBA? <clears throat> <laughs> well, and, and in all fairness, we, we see that in other sports, too, because, you know, people in this country, like, we love college football. Uh, we also love NFL. Like, depending on what, what part of the country you're in, you know, it, there's, there's so many moments where you sit there and go, like, all right, well, I already know what's going to happen, so why bother watching? You know, the, the NFL does have the kind of coined the slogan of like any given Sunday. Um, Cause you know, sometimes you do get some, some random things happening. Like, you know, a, a terrible franchise like the Jaguars last year beat the Colts in week one, which knocked me out of a survivor pool that I'm not still bitter about because Jacksonville spent the rest of the season being absolute hot garbage. Uh, no, no, no bitterness at all. But you know, for that, like even in the NFL, it's still fairly predictable. Like, you know, we see Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl for the kajillionth time. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is there uh, for his second time last year, which hasn't gotten old yet. But that's also because Brady is still in the league. So if Brady leaves, I, I could see that changing a lot. But my big issue when it comes to parity is with college football, because, yes, they're talking about expanding the playoff, but it's it's really the same three teams every single year. You know, you've got Alabama or LSU, whichever one just happened. Like if LSU gets hot that season, so I'll throw them into the mix. But it's like Alabama, Ohio State and Clemson. And for me, I, I don't know how you feel, but for me, it, it can sometimes be hard to watch just because I'm like, well, I, I already know what's going to happen just based on how the talent is for these teams. So I want to love it, but recently I've been finding it hard to love. Interesting. I'm actually going to, I'm going to side on, on the opposite of that. Obviously, you know, the, I think the college football playoff, it's still relatively new, you know? Um, and obviously I think that that aspect of it is predictable. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's the underdog story or whatever, you know, I have no issues and I, I never have, you know, spending, you know, back when I was a kid turning on, you know, whatever random, you know, pack 10, pack 12 game on after dark of two unbeaten or un unbeaten. That's not going to happen Two unranked teams that are just playing because they love the sport. That, that type of game is always interesting, you know, interesting, fascinating me. Um, uh, you know, I think that the expanding of the playoff, yeah, I mean, I think it, it is obviously going to happen, um, or so we think, uh, you know, it's safe to say college football right now is in shambles of which I feel like we are inching our way closer and closer to talking about, but, um, I think the, the playoff, you know, eventually there'll be an upset in it. Um, we, ne we might need to wait until, uh, Dabo Sweeney retires because um players can now get paid or we, we might need nick saban to uh figure that he's the greatest of all time doesn't want to get busted for illegal recruiting and decides to hang it up i'm not accusing nick saban of that it's just that you know you have well, to I, wonder <laughs> I, I mean now anything that he has been has been potentially allegedly potentially been doing illegally now you got to figure it's probably all legal because you know now with the name image and likeness stuff 
they'll just find a way to categorize any way that a player is getting paid as, you know, part of the NIL. So really, I think now the, the good thing that's going to come from that is all the action that was going on under the table is now going to be over the table. Um, so at, at least, you know, that part, we can kind of stop acting like, oh, this doesn't happen. No, we've, we all know it's been happening unless you're like 14 or younger and you just don't know how the world works. We all know that. Um, but I'm going to go to your Pac-12 after dark comments because that is an unfair point because the Pac-12 in general is just like the most fun conference, whether it comes to football or basketball, mainly because like when you throw it on, it's, it's like 12 o'clock at night, you might've had a couple cocktails, you might not, but just something crazy always happens. Um, I can't remember. I think it was like a year or two ago when Oregon and Oregon state, uh, played in like this absolutely absurd thick fog. It just you could even the refs were saying like we can't see what's going on. We don't know where the ball is. We don't know if it's in the air. We don't know if it's on the ground. And for some reason, they still played the game, which just makes the Pac-12 so much fun. But like, maybe maybe some of it's the fact that I grew up a Maryland fan, and Maryland's football program for the entirety of my lifetime has been largely garbage. That it's just hard for me to get into. But yeah, it's I'll give you the credit of the Pac-12, but. You know, now you've even got Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. And my goodness, if Texas isn't making one of the worst decisions they've ever made, because sure, they're going to get a lot of money out this, but they were a mediocre program in the Big 12. Now they're going over to the SEC thinking they're going to be able to compete and they are going to get shellacked every single weekend. I I don't know how you feel about that, but like Oklahoma might be able to catch up in a few years, but I don't even feel like they're going to be able to keep up because... When you see them go up against Alabama in the college football playoff every year, it's usually not particularly close. I mean, I think it's safe to assume that Texas is going to at best slot fourth or fifth in the SEC. Overall now, or, or yeah. in, in their division? Uh, that's for you to decide. <laughs> I, I, look, look, I'm going division because if they're in the West, they've got, you know, like LSU, Bama. I'm sure they're going to realign these, but you've got those. I found out doing some research that apparently Arkansas used to take the Texas game real serious. So now you've got that old motivation coming back for Arkansas. And yeah, I mean, Arkansas, not really the world's greatest program, but still not like Texas has been. So I I see a lot of losses coming for them and a lot of people just going, why'd you do this? Well, insert comment about ESPN trying to control college football. Well, yeah, okay, there, there is that. And at least we get to, you know, have them leave the NFL alone for the most part, except for Monday Night Football, uh, which I know they've struggled with. But I, I know that you took a look at my uh, NFL predictions recently, and you probably have a few, especially with some recent updates, um, like injury news. I'm sure you probably want to laugh in my face at a few of them. So, so l- let's, just, let's just be upfront. What would you think? Uh, I mean, for the most part, I have to agree. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned injury news, and I think it's hard to beat around the bush of the Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson. Oh, those injuries killed me. I, I, I mean, Quentin Nelson, you know, hope, hope he stays healthy the rest of his career. Same with Wentz, obviously, but the track record is not looking good for Wentz. No, because even when he comes back, is he going to be healthy mentally too? Because he's been an absolute head case the last few years. He has. I mean, I don't know. I I, I was actually, you know, 
thinking about it, I, it'll be interesting to see what the Colts end up doing. Um, you know, there's there's rumors of them signing Foles, who's currently, you know, slotted as third string in Chicago, you know, former NFL or not NFL, but Super Bowl MVP. Um, but, you know, speaking of Texas, you know, all things are connected. They do have Sam Ellinger on, on their roster, who apparently has been tearing it up in preseason. I've, I would have to see it to believe it, especially with Nelson out now. Uh, well, that's the, yeah, that's the, I was thinking about this last night and uh, I was like, man, like let, let Eason and Sam Ellinger just go at it and see, you know, that could end up, you know, fueling a, you know, a locker room. Yeah, I mean, no reason not to, especially if your other option is to bring in Foles, because if if I'm going to mention that Wentz is a head case, I mean, what what was the catalyst of it? Foles coming in in Philadelphia and taking over in the Super Bowl and, and winning the championship. I mean, Foles has a statue outside of you know Philadelphia Stadium. Wentz got traded for pennies on the dollar compared to what he could have been because he he just could not deal with the fact that Foles came in. Foles is getting all the love. Most people may not remember, but Wentz was having an MVP season before he got hurt that year, and he very easily could have, you know, taken taken the team to the championship and won it himself. But you know, as luck would have it, he just got injured and wasn't able to do it. So, you know, Nelson coming back from injury, you know, to a degree, I kind of see him being fine with that. You know, he's been healthy for the majority of his career. He's been an absolute stalwart on the offensive line, but. You know, if you bring in Foles in, you, you might as well just try to trade Wentz elsewhere because you bring him back in. Now you're bring, basically giving him PTSD, and he he's not going to be able to handle it. Even if they trade Foles away the second that Wentz is healthy again, he's gonna he's probably gonna be sitting there the entire time going, "Really, Th- this guy again? I got to deal with this again." Well, and I could be wrong. Isn't there a Frank Reich connection? There is. Uh, Reich was the offensive coordinator when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Well, there there you go. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I, and I would be curious, you know, I'm not, uh, a GM whiz when it comes to NFL stuff, but they signed Wentz to a crazy contract. What team wants to, to risk, you know, pulling him in knowing that he's just basically, you know, held together with gum and band-aids right now. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know who would trade for him for any, uh, other than, you know, Frank Reich and Frank Reich's already traded for him. So, you know, you bring in Foles, you basically sign your own death warrant, at least in terms of Wentz. Um, maybe the, the time that he's off, maybe the change is city, uh, especially like, you know, you and I are both probably very familiar with how fans in Philadelphia are. That's a harsh city to play in. Um, you know, maybe being in, in, you know, Midwest Indianapolis where, yes, they take the Colts very seriously, but. Generally speaking, people in the Midwest are much nicer than, you know, the people are over here on the East Coast. Maybe that's refreshed him. You know, he's he's closer to where he went to college in North Dakota. But do I think that's enough to, you know, be able to sustain him if Foles were to be brought in? Absolutely not. I Yeah, I have to agree. I'm not sure. You know, it's a saga that is still unwinding. So we'll see what happens. Um but let's see. So looking at your, your predictions, uh, a few, a few notes I had, um, obviously the Colts win total right now is kind of all over the place. Um, I, yeah, wouldn't know, I, I wouldn't know where to guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to leave it as is because at this point I, I might as well just say, Hey, I know I'm playing with fire. Let's, let's see how badly I get burnt. 
Totally, totally. I mean, so it, it's, you know, if I go division by division, you know, NFC East, I think it'll be a little closer than Washington, say, going 11 and 5. Um, and Dallas going 9 and 8. I mean, I, 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 the NFC East is always a mess. You know, I think, uh, you know, Washington is obviously on an upward trend. You know, shout out to Ron Rivera. Um, but, you know, if Dak comes back healthy and Zeke is remotely what he was three years ago, Dallas is going to be, should be legit. I don't know about Super Bowl contender, but will definitely be, you know, um, division leader contender. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, so admittedly, and I'm not going to shy away from this, I picked Washington to win the division. Um, one, because I love good defensive teams, because whenever I played sports, I was never very talented, which means offensively, I was limited. But defensively, a lot of that just has to do with effort. So I was always a good defensive player. No, um, never going to say great, but good. So my heart kind of sides with teams who are good on defense. Um, some of it's also just, you know, the, the pure bias of being raised as, as a Washington fan, um, and hating Dallas with every fiber of my being, you know, it, it kills me even to say that they're going to have a winning record this year, um, just because it's the Cowboys. Uh, but you know, I have to admit that's just the truth. As far as I, as I see it, Dallas could very well win the division this year. Um, especially with the fact that Washington seems to be completely content with spending the season using Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback, which as you can tell, I'm very, very excited about, uh, but yeah, I'll take one Heineke, please. Yeah. Well, hopefully, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll use this. Uh, my buddy Jordan said this to me, might as well just run Heineke, see what he's got. And if we fail, then we get a better draft pick, but you know, it's better than trying to run some tread on a tire. That's completely bare in Fitzpatrick. You know, the, the one thing that I just do see with Dallas falling apart is, is one, uh, Dak's already, you know, got some reports about like shoulder soreness and everything while he's at practice. That could be a factor this year. Uh, but also their offensive line has really struggled to stay healthy these last few years, which could end up being a major, major factor in how things go. So that is a problem. But also, I really don't think that defense is going to be that much better this year compared to last year, because a lot of the positions that they really needed help in they did not get talent to fill those positions. You know, it was obvious in the draft, they were looking for someone like JC Horn or Patrick Sertan to, you know, fill their second uh, secondary, but they ended up having to go with Micah Parsons, who by all accounts is an all world kind of talent, but not going to fill the needs that they needed because, you know, he's a linebacker and their biggest needs were either defensive line or secondary. So I, yes, my bias did have me put Washington in first, but I didn't really just kind of like throw them in there. I did, you know, make sure to take some time and say like, why do I think that, you know, they could do this? So like there were certain games that normally in, in years past, I would chalk up as a, as an easy loss for Washington, like when they go to green Bay, but green Bay's had so much drama this off season and it, unnecessary drama too. Cause honestly, if anyone thought Aaron Rodgers was going anywhere, they're an idiot. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> Um, media hype <laughs> yeah but you know that defensive line uh there they could go up there they could actually absolutely just ragdoll green bay's offensive line uh especially after they lost their center this this year uh to the chargers which is going to be bigger than a lot of people think it'll be so some games like that that you know normally i would easily just write off as an l 
you know, I thought about it. And I said, actually, I really and truly think they could win this game. Totally. I mean, and that defense is, you know, legit. So they will be in every game or presumably every game. Um, so I also think that the Giants, after uh, today's debacle with uh, pulling Daniel Jones out of the pile in a, in a little bit of a flare up at practice and then being, you know, having all the guys run pretty wild. We'll see what happens either. That's the type of thing that it either fuels a team or breaks a team and the preseason hasn't even started. So let's see what Joe judge has got on his, on his agenda. Yeah. All, all I can really say is, you know, when, when your team is trying to, uh, to prove that your quarterback is a franchise quarterback and, and that your GM didn't completely whiff by draft drafting him. Good job having him end up at the bottom of the pile, guys. Good, good job. You know, it's you're really going doing so well at you know making sure that Daniel Jones has the has the best chance this season. And like you said, maybe it galvanizes them, but based on how it looks right now, my God, that looked really stupid. Like, Agreed. You know, sure you've got new players. Sure, it's the first day of padded practice, but you take another team. Uh, like I mentioned, the Chargers a second ago. They've got a young quarterback too. And yeah, he had a great rookie season, but there is always that potential for a sophomore slump. So to me, Justin Herbert, I think he's going to be really good, but he still has to prove it. Do we really think the Chargers are going to have a, you know, internal fight that's going to end up with Herbert at the bottom of the pile? No way. Yeah. And with a new head coach and everything, you already know that they just run things way better than that. So I don't know what's going on with New York, but that that's a problem. Agreed. And it's it's actually one of my notes on your uh, one of my thoughts on your your projections um, had actually something about the Chargers. So I think the Chargers obviously take a take a huge step forward. Um, and you know project you know predictions projections are what they are. I'd be curious if the AFC West is as you know significant of a gap between the now Vegas Raiders and um, the Chargers. I, I think the Chargers are definitely uh, in the wild card mix and are all kind of already slotted for a wild card spot. But, you know, what happens to Justin Herbert? Does he have a sophomore slump? I don't think he will. I think the team around him is fantastic. Um, you know, we just have to wait and see. I would imagine that there'll be one or two games that he's kind of, you know, not a non-factor and gets embarrassed and might have, you know, go through, through some growing pains. This is his first year with a legit crowd. We'll cross our fingers, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll say, you know, it's an actual, it's an actual season, presumably where, well, the chargers haven't exactly been known for drawing big crowds anyway. True. But just in general, just, you know, he's actually going to be, I would imagine travel was different last year. Like he's going to be on the road with the guys, you know, let's, let's see, let's see how he does. You know, I'm excited. I'm pumped to see what he does. Um, let's see. I also, oh, the, oh gosh, just looking at the AFC South. Oh, it, obviously it, the, the Colts, you know, we already discussed. The only, I, the only way to describe that division is dumpster fire. I, I mean, I, I, I think Tennessee will be in the wild card mix. Um, it's kind of hard not to be, and you know, you could argue that Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill has one of the better jobs in the league right now, considering the weapons around him, the line. Um, I worry about their defense, um, kind of lackluster. I, I just, gosh, I mean, 
I I would have to imagine that Houston is at the bottom. Oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah. with without a doubt. I, Houston is an absolute mess right now. They have Deshaun Watson practicing as like a scout team safety. Oof. Uh, yeah, I have no words. I mean, like, what, are, what are we doing? Uh, uh, I, I have no words. <laughs> yeah, so since, since we know that there's basically nothing we can say about them, I'm going to jump to Tennessee for uh, since you mentioned them for a quick second. But... I don't know about Tannehill and the reason why I don't know about him actually doesn't really have much to do with him. You know, I think one thing that's understated is how much of a load Derrick Henry has had to carry the last couple of seasons for them. And yes, he is built like he was chiseled from stone, but running backs have a small shelf life in the NFL. And I've got to wonder, you know, since he's a, an every down back, it's not like he's really getting spelled that much by, you know, a, a solid backup who takes his place when's that going to wear on him? I mean, we saw a couple of seasons of Zeke Elliott down in Dallas, you know, where he looked like the greatest running back we've seen in a long time, uh, you know, maybe since like prime Adrian Peterson and the, and he just quickly falls off a cliff now a totally different person, totally different, you know, like training staff in the building, completely different set of variables. But the one variable that's a constant is that running backs just don't last long in this league. So, the offense has clearly been predicated on that. Uh, they've got a new player call, uh, play caller this year because they lost Arthur Smith to the Falcons. Uh, it's Tannehill's third different play caller in three years. And, you know, we don't know much about the guy who's going to be taking over that. Um, we don't know if Julio Jones is going to be anywhere near what he used to be because the last couple of years he's been a shell of himself. Uh, maybe that's the fault of being in Atlanta. Maybe that's, you know, your team not just being as good as you want to be. So maybe he's taking the, the foot off the gas and being in a new environment will kind of rev him back up. But you add those and I don't know if Tannehill can maintain the same level of play that he's been at. You know, I think there's just too many different things coming at him um, where he's not going to go back to how he was in his Miami days because he's clearly better than that. And his coach in Miami, Adam Gase, is clearly worse than a lot of people ever thought. So I, I'm going to, you know, make sure that everyone knows I don't think Tannehill's as bad as he was in Miami, but I just don't know if he can be as good as he's been. And since you mentioned that defense, which is a big concern, you know, I really, I don't know if he'll be at a level to compensate for that defense. Cause like the way that I describe the Titans is that they'll be good enough to beat some teams that they shouldn't be able to beat, but they'll also be bad enough that they're going to lose to a couple of teams like Jacksonville that they shouldn't lose to. So I feel like they're just going to be one of the most wildly inconsistent and infuriating teams all season long. I mean, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, Julio Jones will get to deal with some elements, you know, playing in the, in the NFC South. He got to, uh, you know, enjoy the, 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 the dome <laughs> quite often. So, you know, we'll get to see. Tennessee typically has the, you know, obviously they play the Colts. But, you know, Tennessee typically experiences a snowy game here or there. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I look at the eight, your eight proje- projections for the AFC North. Whew. It's, I mean, it's, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine kind of a coin flip between the Ravens and Browns. Um, obviously, I definitely agree with Pittsburgh dropping. Um, 
I don't think Ben has an arm left. I no. mean, that, he's been through hell on the field, off the field. Um, you know, obviously he's a tank. He's played through so many injuries. Um, but, you know, eventually, unless you're Tom Brady, who, by the way, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday to Tom Brady. <laughs> um, who is literally double the age of Zach Wilson. Uh, thought I'd throw that, that fun bit out there, too. Oh, yeah, I did see that today. Wilson is 22 and uh, Brady is 44. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's just that's that's an odd thing to think about. You know, when when Tom Brady was just starting in the league, Wilson was just being born. But to what you're saying, though, about Roethlisberger, I mean, yeah, he's he's played through a lot of injuries. And if we're going to compare him to Brady, the big difference is Brady has only had one major injury his entire career. Roethlisberger has taken a ton of hits. And say what you want. Yeah, he's like you said, he's built like a tank, but eventually tanks crumple if, if you hit them hard enough. So, you know, I, I really see them falling off the cliff. Um, one thing I'm going to jump to real quick, because I thought about this while we were talking about the Chargers, and I have to get your take on it. Uh, I am of the mindset that the Chargers powder blue jerseys are the best uniforms in all of football. And I, I have to ask you, like, what do you think is the best uniform combo in football? Whether it's past or present, like you could throw out the old classic Denver Broncos orange with like the blue helmets with the D and the Bronco coming out of the D. I love those two, but to me, like the powder blues are the best there are. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to hard to argue with the powder blues. I'm I'm trying to think uh, some obscure ones. I mean, obviously, I'm not a Steelers fan. Would strongly like to use the word hate towards the Steelers. Um, <laughs> That's a fair, it's a fair word. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for like ugly jerseys and not ugly in the sense of what are those, but we, you know, just odd, odd colors. The, the, the Bumblebee Jersey for the Steelers is pretty sick. Okay. Really? That, that surprises yeah. me. See, I thought you were going to go in the direction of like Seattle's neon greens that they trot out every so often. Cause those oh. to me, like they're not ugly. They're just gaudy. Yeah, no. Yeah. Th- that, uh, yeah. Ugly. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I think like even um, the, the, the Packers have an old Jersey that oh, they it was wear like the giant dot on the center of it with the giant dot. And they wear solid. I believe it's like a Brown helmet to replicate the, uh, the leather helmet. Um, and then, I mean, also what comes to mind are the creamsicles from oh, Tampa, yeah, Tampa those are Bay. Good too. And even the helmets. I'm actually very excited to see um, what happens. Uh, I believe the NFL is allowing teams now when they wear throwback jerseys, they can use throwback helmets, um, which has never been the case before. They've always had to use current helmets or mm. something along those lines. Because now that I, I think about that, Green Bay was allowed to wear throwback helmets and i think i've seen new england uh use the old pat the patriot one but i think i think for the last couple years those have been limited just because they're they're wanting to keep you know one helmet one fitting um you know for the sake of concussions and everything but i guess now they're to the point where they're like hey you know we're comfortable enough saying that you know our training staffs are good enough to fit more than one helmet to a person's head and have it fit appropriately yeah so i mean like a few of those that that come to mind that excite me um Obviously, born and raised in Baltimore, um, the old school Ravens logo, the shield with the, the with the wings that they they wore during their you know first few years in the, oh, yeah, in the yeah, league. Oh that, that one's awesome. Um, that uh, I'm trying to think. 
other other jerseys. I mean, I would love if Houston were to bring back the Oilers jersey, or, or Houston, Tennessee were to bring back the Houston Oilers jersey, <laughs> um, which kind of falls in line with that powder blue um, that Although, the Chargers have. Who who would get that one though? Because I mean, sure, the Titans were the Houston Oilers, and then they moved to Tennessee, um, but now there's a team in Houston, so. I guess who would you give that to? Like, would you give it to the team that was that's currently in Houston since that's where the Oilers were, or would you give it to the Titans because they used to be the Oilers? I don't get paid them to answer that question. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I would imagine if it's anything like hockey, um, then it sticks with the organization. Um, so, for example, um, the old Winnipeg Jets relocated to Arizona or Phoenix. Um, and for the longest time, I don't think they ever actually wore them, but in uh, all the NHL video games, the old Winnipeg Jets jersey was a part of the Arizona Coyotes you know, kit um, because it's the same franchise. Um, so do we think the current Winnipeg Jets could rock in the Atlanta Thrashers jersey? Because personally, I thought the Thrashers jersey was highly underrated during its time. Oh, bring it back, please. If and this is a, I'm going to I'm going to tag this uh, tag this here. There is a uh, I, I would have to go back and look up the exact Twitter handle, but there's a Twitter account for the for the now defunct Atlanta Thrashers that still tweets things. And it is hilarious you should definitely check it out i I think i've seen one of those before like i I can't remember what it was about but i definitely remember seeing something thrashers related and it caught my attention just because i know they're not around anymore um and and so i I guess we're on hockey now um and since we're speaking of jerseys i don't know how you felt about this but carolina yes i know that they moved from hartford down to raleigh but them getting to bring out the whalers jerseys personally because i know how bitter people up in connecticut are about it still I feel like that was more than being a tribute. I feel like that was a slap in the face to the people up there in Hartford, just because you're just reminding them of like, this is what we used to have. And the Whalers jerseys are iconic. I mean, those are one of my favorites of all time. And yeah, it it was just, it was tough seeing that and going like, man, like I, I kind of wish that was still a mainstay just because it looks so cool. Totally. I mean, and actually uh, the same reaction happened when the Avalanche wore the Quebec Nordiques jersey, um, which is obviously, you know, uh, NHL just expanded, uh, has now a Seattle team as a 32nd team. Um, and there was long debate and still is debate whether or not the league should ever bring a team back to Quebec City. Um, obviously, the uh, Nordiques uh, moved to Denver and rebranded as the Colorado Avalanche. Um, but they wore throwback uh, Nordique jerseys and it was very similar um, reaction as what you just said. I mean, I, I'm a fan of it. Uh, I could, I, I would definitely understand why, why fans would be bitter. Um, but from all accounts, uh, playing in Hartford was awful. Um, it's a small, small town players hated living there. Um, and I'm just going purely off of, uh, Brian Burke interview and Chris Pronger interview off of, uh, insert spit and chiclets number right here. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously they had a lot of, you know, esteemed players float through that organization. 
Um, and obviously they're, they're missed up there. Um, they still have an AHL team. Um, at least I believe they do. The, the Rangers, New York Rangers have their farm team, their AHL team up there, the Hartford Wolfpack. And, um, you know, that arena is still being used and actually the Islanders team might even be up there. Don't quote me on that. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, oh no, they're in, they're in Bridgeport, but they might share the same. They might share the same ring. I don't know. I'm rambling at this point. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean that Jersey, both those jerseys, the Nordique and the Whalers jerseys are just, you know, straight fire, uh, you know, so not to deter from the NFL Jersey talk. Oh no, um, so I'm, it, I'm good with being on hockey now. Cause I mean, you, you got me interested. Like one of the things I was also going to ask you since, you know, we're still taking a little bit of jerseys. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on how Seattle did in their draft. Um, but I'll get to that after this, you and I are both capitals fans and I don't know how you felt, but after I saw them bring back the Screaming Eagle, but they did it as the reverse retro colors this year, I I kind of see the look on your face. And for those who can't see it, it looks like kind of a almost like half pensive one. But, oh, I want that to be their main jersey so bad. Please tell mm. me you feel the same. It's interesting. I don't know about main jersey. So I, I was happy that they brought back the Screaming Eagle I thought that the red was interesting. Um, I bought one. Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for jerseys. I have too many hockey jerseys, but that co- that collection will continue to grow. Um, <laughs> God bless Steph. Yeah. Oh, don't you worry. I've actually I'm missing one since the 0405 lockout, um, which is the 2015 Caps Winter Classic jersey. Um, so that'll be a birthday or Christmas present at some point, but you got to get off eBay at any, at, you know, that's the only place to buy it. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I really like the, oh, how do I say this? The, the current caps Jersey, the red and white, it's pretty bland. It's pretty boring. Obviously holds a special place in my heart. Um, the, I was happy. They brought the screaming Eagle back. Um, I would have loved for it to be black or blue or white. I think the red, you know, cause that's what they wore back then. I think that the, the red is interesting and cool and different. Um, so, you know, I, I would say thumbs up kind of, but definitely not two thumbs up. Um, what I really want them to bring back and they need to do it before Ovi retires and I'll be first in line to purchase it is they need to bring back the black caps Jersey with the actual capital on the front. Oh, Ovi, I forgot about that. Yeah, that one's money. Ovi wore that his rookie year, and that jersey is sweet. Yeah, no, I, I completely forgot that one existed. That that one's absolute money, so I, I agree with you there. Um, so we're, we're on the Capitals. I've wrote about this, but I got to ask you, um, you, you corrected me the other day. I thought Vitek Vanacek was older than he was, so I'm kind of retracting my thoughts on that because now that he's younger, I, I feel a lot more comfortable with him. But the Capitals really aren't doing anything this offseason. I mean, I get that they're in, you know, salary cap hell or purgatory, whatever you want to call it, but, you know, like make some trades or, you know, do something to shake it up. Um, but, you know, it's it seems like other than re-signing Ovechkin, which isn't really going to help our salary cap situation, not saying that they shouldn't have. Ovechkin is untouchable in my mind. He should, at, like, end his career capital Forget about the idea of him going back over to Russia to play. No, end your season in DC or end your career in DC. 
But other than that, it, it looks like we're kind of planning on trotting out the same team that we did last year. And I don't know about you, but that does not excite me. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I have, a, I have a lot of thoughts, obviously, for listeners. Um, hockey is one of the few sports, if not the only sport, that operates with a hard cap floor and a cap ceiling, which um, means you no team can spend literally a penny above the cap ceiling, which is pretty common um, in other sports. You know, you just pay a luxury tax. Um, but having a cap floor is very rare. So it, it basically means that every team needs to be playing, you know, paying within a certain range to, to their, you know, to their roster. Um, now, with that being said, I think um, the deal that we got Ovi on, I mean, he was rumored at one point to be asking for 12 AAV, so 12 mil AAV. Caps can't afford that. Even 11, even 10, even, I mean, it, the thought of signing Ovi to 10, obviously he's worth it. Give him a blank check. You know, he's the all-time goat. Um, but the hard cap, we, cap, uh, hard cap <laughs> keeps us from being able to write that blank check. Right. I mean, exactly. I mean, the fact that he signed for nine, nine and a half is amazing. Um, And that is a team friendly deal. It's a lot of money. Um, It's a team friendly deal. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what the caps look like. Um, I was, I was pretty bummed when they lost Brendan Dillon. Um, He's a stud. He's a stud that, that does not um, necessarily show up on the score sheet stat sheet every night but he's a big body he's strong down low um he plays on you know on the pk can play on the power play um great outlet passer um you know once again he's not going to be the one putting up insane stats um but he when you watch the game he is noticeable and especially in the defensive zone um so losing him was 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 hard um I was actually uh, picking crabs with uh, my my buddy Sean, different Sean. Um, oh, man, when I there's another out, <laughs> Sean in this world. What a surprise! Oh, no. <laughs> um, and uh, when the news broke, and I was pretty bummed, but at the same time, I was pretty happy that they were able to flip one of those two picks um, for Vanacek. Which, I mean, yeah. So Vanacek's twenty five um, was not a highly touted prospect compared to Samsonov, who's 24 and was and is a, still, I guess you can, can consider him a prospect at this point. Um, you know, a touted, very highly touted prospect. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's a good thing that they brought Vancheck back, especially at that price tag. Um, I, and the bigger thing for me is, you know, making Sammy play for it. Um, dude has been a complete mess off the ice um no thanks to kuznetsov either because he's not helping with all those nose beers well yeah so yeah well so there was that and then you know we don't even know what happened there uh they want for those of you who don't know caps are on a road trip uh this past year to new york during the COVID impacted season and in the blink of an eye samsonov and kuznetsov were scratched and both missed significant time um because of some off-field, uh, off-field, off-ice issues, um, and you know, Kuznetsov has been known for dabbling in some white substances, and um, I don't know. Gotta hope that that's not the case. But I mean, overall, I, I think you know the Caps 
as much as I hate to say it, you know, obviously I think that they're still a good team. I still think that they're a playoff team. I still think that they could have a cup run in them. Um, as an organization and as a Caps fan, as much as I love this core and I'm going to relish every moment with Ovi, Oshi, uh, well, Wilson's a bit younger, but Backstrom, Carlson, I mean, Orlov, these are all guys that, you know, hold a very special place in my, my sport heart. But, um, you know, as an organization, they have to have one eye looking ahead. And, um, you know, we do have McMichael in the pipeline who, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine if, if we're doing any predictions here, obviously it's been rumored and, you know, our GM kind of shot the rumors down, but Kuznetsov has to get traded at some point. I there's, would imagine. there's no reason for him to stay. I mean, he's been, he's so inconsistent when he's on his game. He is a legit top line center. Um, wouldn't say top 10 in the league, but on a good night is in the top 10 in the league. Um, definitely top 15 center in the league. Um, can play in all situations. Um, and I mean, he, he's a great all around player. Um, he's just so inconsistent. Um, and he hasn't been the same since the cup run, um, which obviously he tore it up and some would argue that he should have won the con smite that year over Ovi, um, obviously scored the, the nail in the coffin goal to, to, uh, you know, put away the penguins that year. Um, a goal that I will never forget, uh, gives me goosebumps literally talking about it. And, um, I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, I think on the back end we have, I would imagine Marvin, Marvin, Martin Faraby, um, will get a fair amount of playing time. Who's a, you know, been a stud down in Hershey for us. So, you know, injecting some youth is definitely not a bad thing, but I will say this on top of obviously OV tearing it up, Oshi being a stud, my season project projection of player to, to catch fire, Daniel Sprong. I could see that. I could definitely see he, that. People don't realize he's only 24 and he was, he was not given a ton of chance to, to succeed in his past few stops. Um, obviously came here last year on a one year. Uh, oh, actually I could be, I could be wrong. Actually, I think it might be a two year deal, but basically league minimum and has been working his tail off. And when needed this year, he was fantastic. Um, I'll, you know, I honestly, him, Wilson's a bit older than him, but him, Wilson, McMichael, you know, Vanacek, Sam Sonoff, you know, take, pick your poison there. Um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a group that I would get excited for in the future. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm rambling about the caps at this point. You had asked about Seattle, my thoughts on Seattle, I think in the, you know, back end, so decor and goalie wise, they're in good shape. Um, they, they just signed uh, Grubauer, which allowed them to trade Vanacek back to the Capitals. Um, funny how the Capitals just seem to uh, own the goalie landscape. <laughs> we're, we're a goalie farm, man. I, everywhere they go. I, didn't Holtby just resign? I think in Vancouver? Oh, no, actually, he uh, signed down in Dallas. 
Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought so, he, he was uh, in, in Vancouver, but I guess I must have uh, zoned out during that section. <laughs> no, yeah, no. So he was in Vancouver and um, it took him a while, but he got his turtles over the border last year, which uh, if you don't know about, you should definitely Google it. Um, the almighty Google will fill you in on his his turtle saga with the border and COVID <laughs> and Canada and the US. And it's it was a pretty wild <laughs> uh, story. Um, but uh yeah i mean the caps we have obviously grubauer holpe varlamov i don't think neuver is playing anymore obviously we've got our two guys here um yeah the caps have definitely had a thumbprint on you know the goalie scene uh the past 10 15 years so um yeah i mean as for you know seattle i think that they're they're gonna be in games i think um the pacific division or Geez, I don't even think I, I, I'm dating myself. I don't think it's the Pacific anymore. I could be wrong. Yeah, isn't on that. it just like the Western Conference now? Like they don't even have divisions. No, they do. I'm oh, totally okay. blanking. I feel dumb. But anyway, um, that division is pretty weak. Um, they're going to have a chance to, I don't want to say make the playoffs. I'm not projecting them to make the playoffs. Um, I think that they'll be in games. Decor-wise and goalie-wise, Chris Drager's a stud, um, up-and-coming guy that they, they picked up from Florida. Um, Adam Larson, uh, they, they signed before the expansion draft, um, had been up in Edmonton and Jersey pre- previously, um, is a stud defensive defenseman who eats shots for breakfast. Um, you know, I, I worry about them getting embarrassed because they don't have much, they don't have a sniper and center wise they are extremely weak <laughs> well from from what i understand and again for those who don't know chris is our resident hockey expert i am a hockey fan mostly thanks to chris uh, kind of pushing that on me when, when we met freshman year so that definitely helped me grow but chris knows a whole lot more than i do um but isn't it just isn't it just really hard to find a center in the league? Cause you know, normally those guys, if they're good, they don't get traded. Cause you know, from my understanding, they're almost the equivalent of like a quarterback in football where, you know, it, they're just, they're that important to, you know, the game flow and making sure everything goes smoothly. Um, if, if I recall, most of them take faceoffs. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of like, you know, like I said, they're, they're the quarterback of the team while they're on the ice. Yeah, I mean, they, they're kind of the jack of all trades, you know, to, if you, to simplify it. Yeah, they take face-offs, um, you know, depending on the team and the scheme, um, you know, they, they kind of play different roles in the offensive zone, but typically they're a good distributor. Um, typically, not all the time, but most of the time they're a big body, can position, can, can position themselves well in front of the net. Um, can play in all situations. So obviously power play, penalty kill, um, and five on five. Um, and you know, the big thing that doesn't get talked about a lot and, um, you know, I, I might be getting too nitty gritty with, with hockey stuff, but, um, you know, for those of you who don't know the, the, the term back check basically means when the puck is leaving your offensive zone, are you moving your legs to make an effort to, <laughs> play some defense and um what you know what i think really makes a top line legit center you know the names that we think of sydney crosby 
Nick Backstrom, um, Joe, I mean, in his prime, Joe Thornton, um, Paris Bergeron, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, what makes them so special is that they don't give up on the puck ever, if it's on their stick or not. Um, and if they basically in the D zone, they basically act as like a third defenseman as a Rover. Um, because I mean, if you're watching the caps, for example, you're not going to see Ovi. He's gotten better at it, but you're not going to see him going for pucks hard in the D zone. He is waiting for that breakout, breakout pass, outlet pass, whatever, so that he can, you know, move the puck into the offensive zone. That's kind of the, the winger's job. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, the Caps may have, you know, a, a center. I don't know how sick Seattle is of us, but, you know, we might have a top-line center who could be available. Well, you know, Kuznetsov. Um, Should be available. Yeah, the only, the only downside besides his off-ice stuff is Kuznetsov price tag for, you know, the contract that he earned um, at that point in time when, when we signed him. You know, he was worth it. Um, it's hard to say with his play the past few years if whether or not he's worth it or not, especially with the off-ice baggage. I'm going to say he's not. But for a new franchise, you know, he's a top-line center for them. There's also rumors of Jack Eichel, which, you know, that, that's a whole messy situation. His Buffalo won't let him get the surgery that he wants so that he can be traded. It's a whole big, you know, Buffalo being Buffalo. But, um, you know, Jack Eichel is, our, you know, without a doubt, a top 10 center in the, in the, in the league when he's healthy. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, it'll be interesting. They definitely need centers, though. <laughs> Well, I have to admit, you've pretty much answered any question that I could come up with being, you know, kind of the hockey layman that I am, um, you know, just to kind of get everyone a, a taste of what their first season could look like or their first couple seasons. Um, so the one thing that I want to wrap up on, and, you know, if you guys are sick of us talking about the Capitals, not sorry, because um, the one thing that I think could continue this year, and I think you believe this as well, and I'm sure you and I both hope this continues as well is the first game the Caps play against the Rangers. I'm hoping for another line brawl. Just the second the puck drops, gloves are off, fists are being thrown. I want to see that penalty box stacked full of people. I mean, especially with the Rangers signing Ryan Reeves, who is like a professional agitator. You know, you throw him out there, you throw Wilson out on the on the front line for the opening puck drop, and we could see some serious fireworks going off there. Oh, man, I have so many thoughts with this. I think take it and run. Take it and run. Obviously, you know, the league wants wants the fireworks, and the fireworks are gonna happen, most likely. Um I'm a you know uh being being the type of hockey fan I am, I you know, fighting has a place. There's a purpose to it. It's to protect your star players, it's part of the game, teams know how to manage it, you know. I, there's a new breed of, of hockey fan that doesn't want any fighting. I'm not that. Um, Neither am I. And I'm, <laughs> I, I, and, and I'm a part of the new breed. Cause I, like, like I said, you kind of influenced me into getting more into the sport, but you know, br- bring the fisticuffs, man. If it's a part of the game, keep it as a part of the game. Um, I, I personally, so uh, you know, the Rangers added Ryan Reeves. Um, they also added uh, Jared Tindorni who is also a professional agitator. 
um, and then Barkley Goudreau um, and Sammy Blyce. Um, obviously, both of those guys just won Stanley Cups recently. Uh, Goudreau back-to-back with Tampa. And Sammy uh, won it a few years ago, I believe his rookie year with St. Louis. So, you know, those guys do provide more than just, you know, bashing some other guy's face in. And you could argue that with Ryan Reeves too, but the guy's a scumbag. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I, the, the, I think what gets overlooked a lot, and, you know, if you go on Twitter for, for two seconds, you will quickly see um, that the name Tom Wilson trends all the time during the season, during the off season. And, uh, you know, the Rangers have quote unquote, a Tom Wilson problem. Um, Tom Wilson is one of the few, I don't want to even use the word enforcers. Um, you know, he's a power forward. He's, he plays with grit. Um, but he's one of the few forwards that has the skills and the capability to play on a top line with Ovi um and play you know play on the power play you know granted not our top line but our power our second power play um and actually contribute he is an offensive you know stalwart on our team um and is crucial for for the caps to succeed um he you know he crosses the line sometimes um I, but he he's the type of player that every single team i don't care who you are wants he is he plays between the whistles but he can skate he can puck handle he's a great passer i mean he he basically he's got a little bit of everything on top of some spunk um which comparing him to ryan reeves reeves can't skate reeves is a fourth line guy goudreau's slow sammy blaze not as bad more of a third line really fourth line guy um Tindorty, uh, he shouldn't even be up in the in the nhl he's more of an ahl guy but uh, the rangers are, are building this fourth line that is ready for a line brawl to please you but <laughs> the thing is is that that's great that's fine and dandy but unfortunately that's not a major part of the game anymore and that that will happen and the rangers and the caps only play a handful of times especially during a normal season so the fact that they're stocking up all these guys to basically deal with Wilson, which on a side note, people overlook this. You know, Wilson is kind of the pretty boy in the in the fighter, and you know, loves I mean, he's a dearly. certified man rocket. Oh, uh, you know, yes, uh, I you know uh, na- named my 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 dog after him. He is a stud, you know. Uh, but you know, it's funny. The, the last year, the Caps did everything in their power to take that weight off of him. They don't want him fighting. They want him playing dirty through, you know, between the whistles. And that's that Reeves is the type of guy that the whistles are blown and he will chase after you and slam your head into the ice and then be like, Oh, sorry. I didn't hear the whistle. So I, you know, I, I it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, the caps have, uh, you know, Hathaway, who's really supposed to be more of our fighter. Um, before that, before him, we had Gudis, who was also, you know, Prior to being on the Caps, a you know kind of a scumbag. Um, obviously, last year we had Chara, another guy who can still lay it down regardless of how old he is. Um, Brendan Dillon's a tough you know tough guy. It's going to be interesting to see what the Caps do. I don't want I don't want to see Tom Wilson in the box more than he has to be. Um, we need him on the ice. So 
we'll see what happens. The Rangers are really, you know, um, do, doing a little bit of research for this. Ryan Reeves, Sammy Blaze, and Barkley Goudreau have a combined, uh, sorry, they have all combined for two goals and a total of five points in 27 games against the Caps. That's pretty pathetic. Wilson has matched that point total in just seven games against the Rangers last year alone. <laughs> he had five points in seven games. So that right there, you know, basically the Rangers were noted for being one of the weakest team, uh, weakest, softest teams in the league last year. They have star power. That is undeniable. Laffy Taffy up front. They got, you know, Kako, obviously the big guy with Panarin, um, Strom, Zbenejad. They've got studs. They didn't have anyone to back them up last year. And, you know, they paid for it. But it's also interesting. I, I made a list here, and this is this is the final of my, or this is the uh, the, the last nugget of this Wilson rant. <laughs> so since last the end of last year, last hockey season, Tom Wilson alone has caused the Rangers to do this. I, I, after the massive brawl, which if you have if not looked it up, you should check it out. There's some funny memes of Wilson just you know flexing in the box without a jersey on. It's it's great. The Rangers owner put out a crazy statement after that game, then proceeded to fire their GM and president and coach. The Caps and Rangers then played following that, and Buchnevich, who's now on the Blues, um, got suspended for retaliation in that game against the Caps. Caps didn't get any suspensions because they know how to play between the whistles. Buchnevich went out there and, you know, ended up getting a one game suspension. The Rangers then get eliminated and fined $250,000 peanuts to these guys, but for their overall statement towards the league, um, the Rangers front office felt like they needed to sign, uh, figure out their Tom Wilson problem and they signed Tim Doherty, and then they gave up draft picks to sign Ryan Reeves. They added Barkley Goudreau, Sammy Blaze, both cup winners, so obviously they bring a little bit more. And that's where we're at right now. That's well, all because of Tom Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if that's where we're at, I think that's equally a, a good time for us to wrap this up. Cause you know, that, what, what other way to end this than just to say, you know, guys, I mean, it, it's kind of embarrassing what you're doing up there. Um, you know, all of this just for one guy um, who sure the, the hit against Panarin did look a little bit iffy, but, Part of me doesn't understand, you know, in the in the play of the game, et cetera. If you haven't seen it, YouTube it, make your own call. Um, obviously, Chris and I will always be a little bit biased because uh, we're Caps fans. Uh, you know, like he was saying with Gudis, uh, clearly, once you come to Washington, you're no longer a scumbag. That them's the rules. Um, but you know, I, I think we've hit a good breaking point. Um, you know, this has been awesome uh, for those again listening. This this is Chris and mine's first run at this. Uh, so you know, if you're listening and you want to give us some feedback. Uh, he and I would both love this. Uh, you know, we're going to try and build this and, you know, turn it into something more un unless Chris decides that he's sick of talking to me and, and goes off and does his own thing. Um, but, you know, un until next time, uh, this is going to be the end of episode two. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening.